We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. These Chicago Bears ended their four-game losing streak with a big win over the Detroit Lions in Week 10, their first win in over 42 days. We're going to be talking about that, plus previewing the Bears' upcoming Week 11 tilt with the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football here on the Bear Report Podcast. Before we get into all that, let's do our host introductions. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And uh, Aaron, it's been a while. Um it's been actually over a month since we've actually done a podcast that has uh, recapped a Bears victory. Their last victory was week four against the Minnesota Vikings. Since then, four straight losses. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But now we get to do a winning podcast, which feels a lot better to say. Yeah, it definitely uh, – it's it's nice not having to talk about a loss. I mean, it wasn't the greatest win, but at least it was a win. Uh, the one thing that's kind of confusing to me, though, is it's like – I understand the Bears aren't doing well, right? They're four and five. I mean, we've talked to death about how bad they've been, but it's still it's still a football game, man. It's still the, it's still the middle of the season. Like I don't really understand that. I saw a lot of fans on Twitter getting upset with the Bears for doing club dub, and I don't really understand that. Like it's it's one of those things. Like they should be able to celebrate their wins regardless of how the season's going. At least in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't really get that as well. I. I didn't really mind that they did club dub. We were sitting, standing outside of the locker room after the game, as we always do. And, you know, the last couple of home games has been relatively quiet outside of the um, Bears locker room. But this one, you could kind of hear the music blasting. And I, I didn't really have a mind a problem with it. I saw on Twitter and saw some post-game stuff that um, 
some former players and we're not we're not happy about it. I don't care. I think it's good. I think you've done it every time you've won a game. Um, they've obviously been struggling this season. So to kind of get that win, go 1-0, and as Matt Nagy likes to say every week, uh, let them celebrate. I mean, what was the harm, honestly? What is really the harm of letting them celebrate? If anything, it brings up the spirits of everyone, brings up the spirits of the fan and fans, and you can't be that team that, oh, when you're really good and, and you're winning, you're doing club dub, but when you're having a season like this, you can't do club dub. I, ju- I just think they'd give off a bad look. Yeah, no, I – I'm right there with you. I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it is what it is. You know, it's, it, it's still the thing that I think some people forget, um, including myself sometimes is that these are still human beings playing the game, right? They still have emotions. They're still, I mean, a lot of these guys, I'm sure probably still feel like the season is salvageable. I don't believe that. And I don't think you believe that either, but I mean, these guys are still out there playing the games and, and, I mean, there's still seven games left. I mean, it's just one of those things where it doesn't benefit the Bears, and we talked about this last week, it doesn't benefit the Bears at all to lose uh, because they don't have a first-round pick. And, really, I mean, when you're talking, they got a pair of second-round picks, and only one of those is theirs anyway. So it's like, you know, at this point, I mean, the higher draft picks in the later, later rounds don't really matter that much anyway. So, yeah, if they want to celebrate it, I mean, let them celebrate it. I mean, they they put the work in all year. It hasn't been the season that anybody's really expected, but I still think – that any team of any sport really has the right to celebrate a win when it happens. I mean, when, especially in NFL wins are hard to come by. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I really don't think the Bears are going anywhere this season. They obviously don't believe that they think they can uh, win out, run the table, get to the playoffs, which is what they should think. I mean, especially as professionally, I thought you're not just going to give up um, in the middle of the season when things are going bad, unless, you know, someone like Mark Trespin is your head coach and he completely loses the locker room. That has not happened here in Chicago. They're four and five. They're coming off a win against the Detroit Lions. They have the Los Angeles Rams on primetime television. You could think the big markets of Los Angeles and Chicago for that game uh, not being flexed out because both teams are really struggling right now. And it's just not the matchup that uh, NBC really thought they were getting when the uh, schedule came out back in April. But yeah, the field Bears feel good about themselves. Uh, I can't blame them. Let them have fun. Let them celebrate this year. I mean, who knows? It might be their last win of the year. We don't know. Any, I mean, anything can happen. Um, but yeah, it was good, it was good to see them get a win, and good to see them get a win at Soldier Field, a place where you know they lost to the Saints, they've lost to the uh, the Chargers the week after that, back to back home losses, um, and then they're coming off a loss to the Eagles on the road. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. We're going to talk a little bit about that game. I want to get into some interesting Trubisky stuff because I know you've read the article in the Chicago Tribune about um, the whole 2017 draft. Then we're going to preview a little bit about um, this week's matchup with the Los Angeles Rams. Kind of get you geared up for that. We don't have a guest today. Uh, don't have a guest today for this podcast, but we'll have one next week for the uh, – Giants game. Before we do all that, though, we are now more than halfway done with the NFL season. Can you actually believe that? Feels like just yesterday we were talking about the Bears reporting to training camp and even the week one showdown with the Green Bay Packers. If you haven't gotten in on any action yet in this NFL season, now is the perfect time because you're running out of weeks. You can check out the latest betting odds from our friends over at mybookie.ag. You can check out NFL, NBA, which just began last uh, month. You can check out College basketball, college football, actually college football is right down here in the home stretch with the college football playoffs being, uh, rankings being released. 
And you can even check out NHL odds and lines. Um, and there's more than odds and lines, too. There's there's also props that you can use. Um, they have quarters, halves, periods on the ice, player props, points, yards, or field goals. Uh, goals in general, actually. PGA, NASCAR, soccer, more. Now is the best time to get in the action. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, sign up, and use promo code OVERTIME. They will match your first deposit with that promo code. Once again, it's promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. As mentioned before, the Bears are now 4-5 and five after that win against the Detroit Lions. Before we recap that, Aaron, I want to talk a little bit about this article that came out on um, Tuesday in the Chicago's Tribune. It was Dan Weirder and um, Rich Campbell did a great job on this piece. It's like pretty much a 10-chapter article detailing all about the 2017 NFL draft, the process that went into it with, with um, Ryan Pace and, and his scouting staff. And essentially the decision to go with Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson or Patrick Holmes, the other two quarterbacks taking the first round of that draft. A lot of interesting stuff in that article. Before we kind of get into that, what would you think overall about that article? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, I've kind of skimmed through it a little bit. I really haven't had the time this week um, to read it. But the gist out of what I got is that the Bears didn't do themselves any favors. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. And it also doesn't sound like, and again, this is all hindsight, but it also doesn't sound like, you know, when Ryan Pace and they're doing the draft video and they talked about the Trubisky pick and how they all had conviction on the pick and all this other stuff, doesn't really sound like that was the case, actually. Um, My question would be with this as well is it seems like they were much lower on Deshaun Watson than I would have expected. Uh, I don't know. It just the entire thing didn't make any sense. And again, I mean, this is this is all hindsight. Uh, Trubisky was my number one quarterback coming out of the draft. Uh, looking back on that, not doesn't look good. But I also had Mahomes and Watson as uh, <clears throat> both as first round quarterbacks as well. So I don't know. It's just there's a lot of unfortunately when things blow up like this, um, there's stuff like this that comes out. The only other thing that kind of stuck out to me that uh, I'm not really sure how to digest is the whole Dave Ragone thing and how was it Mahomes or Watson was his number one quarterback either way it wasn't Trubisky I don't know how I feel about that coming out especially with his name attached to that obviously sourcing's involved and everything else but that's tough man I mean that's that's almost kind of that's almost like Aaron Cromer level stuff right there where you're almost kind of trying to get out in front of the impending bus running you over to throw somebody else under the bus so you don't get hit first. Yeah, that's kind of what I took away, the whole Ragone thing with um, you know, the Aaron Cromer situation. I think the Aaron Cromer situation was a little worse because that was more – I believe that was post-game, one game he like went to a reporter and was like telling him all this stuff and, and, and didn't – you know do it off the record actually went, you know, um, on the record and said it all and, and had his name or eventually figured out his name was out there on it. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was a mess. Um, yeah. So essentially John Fox and Dave Ragone had Sean Watson as their QB one. Um, Ryan Pace had obviously Mitchell Trubisky as his court QB one, but, I so how I take away from this is I don't I can't fault Ryan Pace for going to get his guy. I understand 
like, yeah, it, it's the bad pick. It's not, you know, you'd rather have um, Patrick Mahomes. You'd rather have Deshaun Watson. That's also not my point. I've been arguing on Twitter about this all day yesterday and even a little today. The the biggest concern is the evaluation that Ryan Pace had of Mitchell Trubisky. It's not that, you know, Pace, I mean, yeah, it does hurt that he traded up for him when he could have essentially had Watson at three if someone would have taken Trubisky at two. Or even if Trubisky fell to three, I don't think it's as worse as giving up the draft picks. The problem is it's like, okay, so you read the article and you, and you see, um, you know, Trubisky's number one on Pace's board. Um, number two is Patrick Mahomes. They met with both of them privately. We know the whole story about the Trubisky dinner um, in Chapel Hill. Pace going to watch a game and not, you know, using a press pass or a scout pass or anything like that. It just uses a, a regular fan ticket. The problem is he didn't even meet with Deshaun Watson at all. There was no private workout. There was no private dinner. Uh, Pace essentially didn't do his homework. There was no evaluation. What evaluation he might have had, if any, was just watching college games on TV. And I'm not a quarterback expert here, and I don't claim to be one either. But watching games on TV, I mean, it felt pretty obvious that Deshaun Watson you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna base it off that, obviously has better game film. I mean, he's got game film against Alabama, where he's over 900 yards of offense, and and he's beat a team like Alabama. Or Trubisky had the 13 games, and like you said, I was fully aboard the Trubisky train. I had him as my number one quarterback. The problem is, like, that's not even the point, though. The the point is, Ryan Pace didn't do his homework at all on Deshaun Watson, and. As far as evaluations go, that's very concerning for a general manager, especially when you're in that draft, you're trying to find your franchise quarterback. Why are you not doing the homework on all three of the quarterbacks? Yeah, and that is a big concern because you're talking – and here's the thing. I mean, if they didn't do their homework on, let's just say, Patrick Mahomes or even Trubisky. Let's just say Trubisky wasn't the guy and we're talking about somebody else. It's a little more understandable, right? Because you got a guy in Patrick Mahomes where, and I have this in my, I, I still have this in my quarterback evaluation. It's still on BearReport.com. I mean, you can find it. I mean, it's been a few years, but my evaluation of Mahomes was basically one of those where I thought that he had, my pro comp for him is Brett Favre. Like, I thought he had a super high ceiling to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But I also thought that his floor was dangerously low if he didn't go to the right team. <clears throat> and I remember a lot of people give me crap and like, oh, so he could pretty much either be really good or bad. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, but it's it's not that simple. If you actually read the evaluation, then you understand. I mean, with with Mahomes at Texas Tech, he played a very backyard style of football. His mechanics were wonky. I mean, really, his mechanics still are, but they've just made it work and he's been a great quarterback. I mean, there's no denying that. But I can at least see from the Bears' perspective maybe why they wouldn't want to take on that type of project. With a guy like Deshaun Watson, though, I mean, you're talking about a guy that played three years at a Power 5 conference. Like you said, the game film that he had against Alabama, I mean, the, the times that they squared off, the times that he squared off against good teams, the amount of games that he won, some of the things that he did, I mean, look no further than the national championship game, his last game of his college career, to really go back and see – I don't know how you can you can say, OK, we're going to find our franchise quarterback and not evaluate the hell out of every single quarterback in that class that you think is even close within the first four or five rounds of the draft. That doesn't even make any sense to me. It's just one of those. I mean, even myself, and I'm pretty sure you're probably the same way. I beat the living hell 
out of that quarterback class. I watched so much. I wouldn't even call it tape. I mean, because it really wasn't. I mean, basically the best thing you could find was, you know, uh, snap by snap game footage of each of these quarterbacks. And I watched the hell out of every single one of these quarterbacks. I think there was 20 different ones that I had that I actually had graded. Uh, but I, especially on the top four, uh, really the top six, because you still had Peters, uh, Peterman and uh, I think it was Davis Webb, if I remember right. Is that right? Davis Webb was in that, that class? Uh, was that, that was Kaiser? Kaiser? Yeah, because Kaiser, yeah, Kaiser was kind of one of those guys that a lot of people viewed as a first-round prospect until like the last two weeks of the draft. Uh, but either way, point being is those top six guys with Kaiser and then obviously the three that won in the first round, I put a ton of work into that. Me as a fan put that much work into it. So I can't understand why Ryan Pace, the general manager of an NFL football team that is clearly going out and looking for his franchise quarterback, didn't put the work in for a clear number, you know, for a clear first round quarterback. And that's the thing with my, my evaluation of Deshaun Watson was, was, it was curious. I, I won't lie. I mean, I watched him and at times you're like, man, I love this guy. And other times you're like, is this really going to translate to the NFL? Some of the things that he did. The one thing I will say though, is I never had a doubt that he was going to be a first round quarterback. Uh, I think I ended up having him as my third overall quarterback uh, in that class. But again, like if, if you know that he's going to go probably within the first 20, 25 picks, why are you not looking at him? I, I just that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just it's it's mind blowing that Ryan Pace simply didn't do his homework on one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. That doesn't that doesn't add up. I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, that's a really, really bad look for any. That's, it's very alarming. It, it's very I, I just don't really know how else to put it. It's just. I mean, it's got to piss you off. I mean, even even if, you know, with Trubisky being our guy and obviously we, you know, this is this is all hindsight. But the fact is, is like you said, he was operating on an unlevel playing field because he didn't do the amount of work with Watson that he did with the other two quarterbacks. And that is just unacceptable. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, you know, you you brought it up earlier. So you have the video. They, they released the video out um, at House Hall where. You know, Ryan Pace is talking about conviction. Everyone in this room, you know, we, we got our guy. We got our quarterback. That's conviction. Then you read this story and you find out, okay, number one, John Fox and Dave Ragone both wanted Deshaun Watson in this draft. Number two, John Fox had no idea that they were going to draft Mitchell Trubisky, kind of making it an awkward moment. And what that tells me is that Ryan Pace didn't want to leak anything to John Fox because he didn't want John Fox to leak anything out to anyone around the league because essentially by then you knew John Fox was pretty much toast um, unless he you know got a nice rookie quarterback and save his job with a playoff season. It, nothing else was going to save his job besides going to the playoffs that first year in 2017. If he has Watson, I don't know how much better the Bears are that year. I don't think it saves his job. But also at the same time, why are you not firing John Fox if you can't trust him and you can't tell him, hey, we're going to take this kid out of North Carolina and Trubisky. Um, you think that Deshaun Watson's number one on your board. We're going to go with Trubisky. But, like, you don't tell him that. What do you do? I mean, what are you doing with the trust factor there? Um, that's just It's just odd to me, man. It's just very, very odd to me. And – this reporting was very well done with the Tribune, so we can't sit here and criticize, oh, well, the media kind of has agenda, agenda, and not maybe not all of this is true. No, this is all spot on. This is very well done reporting. Um, and like I said, it's not about, like, yeah, Pace made the move. We get it. He went up and got his guy. That's not what you and I and, and a lot of people have a problem with. 
Problem is the evaluation. Like, this is the guy, Ryan Pace, who is picking his franchise quarterback. Everyone knew it. You knew it. I knew it. Everyone, every Bears fan knew they were going to get a franchise quarterback in this draft, okay? They're going to get a guy somewhere. So why are you not doing the homework on all three? It's just, it's incredible to me. And then it makes me think, like, okay, what's the evaluation process here with all those other first-round picks? Because look at the first-round picks over the years that Ryan Pace has had. They are not hitting, essentially. It, it, they've been bad. I mean, you look, Kevin White, obviously, that's the big one. Now you have Trubisky, who does not look good at all. And Leonard Floyd's also been struggling. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's crazy to me. And the other thing I kind of took away from this article, kind of go back to Watson, is the whole family thing with Trubisky and how he has a relationship with his family and all that stuff. I mean, if you look up Watson's backstory – I mean, it's pretty incredible what he what he did. He had the um, the Homes for Habitat house from that Warwick Dunn does every year, um, former Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Bucks running back, and his mom overcoming cancer, all that stuff. You know, Watson going through the knee surgery. It's just like it was an infuriating to read all this, the reporting and all this stuff about how Ryan Pace did it. And I'm not mad at Mitchell Trubisky. You're not mad at Mitchell Trubisky. It's just. Ryan Pace just completely fumbled this one right now. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where it's at. I mean, it, it, it's kind of an insult to injury thing. I mean, it really doesn't change anything. Um, well, it doesn't really change anything, period, because, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, Trubisky's not it. He's not the guy. I don't really know how else to put it. I mean, he's not the guy, and the Bears are going to be looking for a quarterback this offseason. I mean, there, there was a report – it's been kind of circulating around, and I'm, maybe I'm a little bit confused because I haven't been quite as much in, uh, you know, in Twitter over the last few weeks as I, I normally am. But I could have sworn the report with, you know, the the fact that I think it was Ian Rappaport said that uh, Cam Newton would would gladly welcome a trade to Chicago this offseason. I thought that was something that came out like right around Sunday, but it's been kind of circulating. It seems like the majority of its but the majority of it going around has kind of been today, and I think that was because Bleacher Reports so put something out. But either way, I mean, that just kind of shows you, like, if you have one of the most connected insiders in the game putting stuff like this out there, um, then it's pretty clear that the Bears are probably going to be looking for a quarterback, which means obviously Trubisky's not the guy. But, again, that kind of hurts just because even if you go out and you sign a guy like Cam Newton or trade for him or whatever happens, and, you know, assuming he's healthy and still plays well – He's still 30 years old versus, you know, these some of these guys, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. These guys are, you know, 24, 25 years old, getting ready to go on the second contract. So, I mean, either way, you're spending more resources on a position um, than you should. And you just swung and missed. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, we, we just got done talking about Trubisky and the, the draft lender that he was. Look at their look at their second round pick in that draft class. Adam Shaheen was a healthy scratch this last week because he's that bad. I mean, that's just. Like, yeah, they got Tariq Cohen, they got Eddie Jackson. Those were two very good picks. Uh, Jordan Morgan didn't last long at all. But, man, that draft class, I mean, for as much crap as a lot of people have given uh, Matt Miller on, you know, that tweet saying that that's what got, you know, that's going to get Ryan Pace fired or whatever from, you know, the anonymous source. I mean, if you really look back in hindsight, I mean, those first two picks especially were, they've, they've turned out to be pretty damn bad. Yeah, the Adam Shaheen one really, really stinks. I mean, I think that's probably the worst pick in that draft. Um, obviously, you can say the Trubisky with the trading up to get him and giving up the picks, but at the same time, I mean, 
granted, what I did just say that I, I the, that Ryan Pace's evaluation is was really bad, but at least he went up and got a quarterback or got his quarterback. You know, I he probably should have gone and got Watson or Mahomes. But like Adam Shaheen, that was a complete project pick. You're taking a guy out of Ashland College and expecting him to come in and be your big tight end, and it just it did not work out at all. That pick was just awful. And if you look at the the players around him in that round, uh, round two that that the Bears could have had instead of Adam Shaheen, I mean, it's just it's you know it's fascinating because they could they could have very well um, have used any a lot of those players. And and then you look later on in that draft, and you have um, who was it? George Kittle. I think he was a sixth round pick um, that went to the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And I mean, we'd take George Kittle in a heartbeat. So you look second round. Okay, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, um, number 62 overall. He went after Adam Shaheen. Um, let's see, Joe Mixon's there. Obviously, they would have had a running back. Um, still, Joe Mixon's right there. And then. Let's see, there's a couple other guys. I saw a tweet about it, but there's a couple other guys that you'd probably rather have. It's just, oh, man, it was just, that pick is not good at all. So, yeah, that, that article was very telling, um, very disappointing reading that as a fan or um, someone that covers the team and seeing that, okay, uh, he didn't do his homework on Deshaun Watson. Now what? Now how do you trust this guy to go get a quarterback because guess what like you said they're going to go get a quarterback this year whether signing a veteran or drafting one because there will be some competition for Mitchell Trubisky uh we just don't know who it's going to be just yet it very well could be Cam Newton um you were right that report did come out on Sunday morning with Ian Rapport it's now just getting traction I imagine they'll probably try to bring in a cheap veteran and maybe draft someone um either on uh, day two or day three because they don't have a first round pick so it's going to be an interesting storyline to uh, follow this offseason and, and to continue the rest of the season. Unless, I mean, a miracle strikes and Mitchell Trubisky just goes off and turns into the second coming of who you know someone like Dan Reno or something. I don't know. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, yeah, that's definitely a story to watch. Um, before we get into our recap of the Lions game and kind of a preview of um, the Rams game, we'll do our final ad read here. Um, on the Bear Report podcast. So the Bears are on the road this Sunday in Los Angeles taking on the Rams. They'll be back home to host the New York Giants the following week in Week 12. Uh, make sure if you're looking to go to a game at Soldier Field or maybe you're looking to check out a Bulls game at the United Center, a Blackhawks game at the United Center, any of the college games around um, the Illinois area, make sure you head over to Vivid Seats. They're your number one source for all tickets to the events you want to go to. You can sort by the price. You can sort by seats in the section or even the row of your choice as long as you're in the Vivid Seats mobile app. Being in the Vivid Seats mobile app allows you to also join their loyalty program, which gives you points and rewards for uh, money that you spend on tickets for events that you're going to go to. All you have to do is go to the App Store, Google Play Store, download the Vivid Seats app. Uh, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. You don't have to worry about getting scammed or ripped off. Uh, I've heard crazy stories about fans walking up to games and buying off of, off of people on the streets and, and just getting ripped off. You don't want to deal with that. It's already a hassle to get to some of these games. Make sure you use the Vivid Seats app, 100% buyer guarantee. Um, and then when you do go and you you find your event, you want to buy your tickets, make sure you use the promo code 
Overtime at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Once again, that's overtime at checkout. You can receive a discount of up to $100 by using Vivid Seats. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. We've covered the Bears here on this podcast a little bit, um, talking about the Lions game from the past week. We've also talked about the article with Mitchell Trubisky, 2017 NFL Draft. Um, Aaron, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the uh, Week 10 win over the Lions um, and kind of what you saw now, Trubisky did play a little better in the game. He had the late touchdown in the first half to Ben Braunecker. Kind of got him going, had two more touchdowns in the day, finished with three. Only finished with like 165 yards passing, which was a little disappointing because the Lions are giving up over 400 yards of total offensive game, second worst in the NFL. And every quarterback that's gone against the Lions this season so far has thrown up for over 300 yards. Trubisky, the first one not to, he barely got half of that. Um much better from him, I think. That's not really saying much because he's been very bad this year. But even though, even with the three touchdowns and no turnovers, there's still a lot of work to be done for this offense. Yeah, there is. I mean, if if you really look at, and again, it's 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 not fair to single it out, but if you really just look at, uh, you know, the if you look at what they did in those three drives um, when they scored touchdowns, you know, they had the one. One before half, and then the two uh, in the second half. Um, but if you look at everything else outside of that, it's it wasn't good. I mean, they had I think it was like four first downs and yardage versus there. I mean, this offense is still a giant train wreck, and it's one of those things where we've kind of caught I've caught myself multiple times where it's like, oh, Trubisky had a pretty good game, and you look at it, it's like, well, I mean, he had three touchdowns, and there was you know I think there was a drop or two in there, and Burton's weird jumping up in the air like a like a kid and tucking his legs and not coming down in bounds and uh Alan Robinson kind of the same thing where he he just didn't have a feel for the sideline I mean there was there were certain areas where Trubisky made good throws and he wasn't rewarded but again when you look at it he didn't have over 200 yards passing uh yes he had the three touchdowns he was still inaccurate at times and his pocket presence was awful I mean his feel for pressure is just not there it's just it's one of those things where this was a very average game for him last year, and we're calling it his best game of the season this year. I mean, that just kind of shows you how far the regression has happened and how far we're reaching the, for, the grasp for straws to, for any sort of hope, any sort of uh, uh, positive at this point from him. I mean, it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, and I, and I said this last week, where I just don't see – how the Bears are going to fix their offense this year. I just don't see it. The rhythm isn't really there, um, at least consistently. The quarterback play isn't there. The line play isn't there. Uh, I think David Montgomery has been pretty good. I think he is dancing a little bit too much and kind of seeing ghosts at times and not really being decisive with his holes. I mean, there's just – I mean, the play calling has been bad. I mean, there's just there's there's just not a lot of good going on in offense right now. And usually when you're, when you're nine games into the season, that's just not magically going to change out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done with this offense. I mean, you kind of hit it right in the head there. Like, yeah, Trubisky looked a little better in this game, but there were still the same problems that he's been having, you know, week after week. He's not really reading the defense well. He's not stepping up into the pocket. Um, he's not been very accurate. His best pass, I think, was to Ben Braunacker, led him to the corner of the end zone. Other than that, I mean, he still missed a couple of throws on Sunday. You know, they they got to continue to get better. I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, it's a little step, though. It's not a large, giant step. Just because, you know, the Bears win and Trubisky throws three touchdowns, that doesn't mean, 
you know, everything went essentially well in that game because there, there definitely was, you know, a lot of bad that we saw throughout the year that kind of reared its ugly head again. Um, another thing I want to talk about in the, fourth, in the play calling late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, Matt Nagy apparently went away from the run again. And like, I'm trying to figure out what are you doing, man? Like, how do you, how, how does this continue to happen where you struggle to run the football going, especially like the play calling going away from it in situations like that? I mean, you're up 14 um, or up to two scores and then you're not running the ball and, and killing the clock. I so said, you're still throwing the football. Was he trying to get more yards for Trubisky to make him look better? I don't know, but it was just kind of mind boggling. This, this stuff kind of still happens week after week. And, and guess what? The Lions almost did come back and win that game. Uh, they had a chance to tie the game at the end, but um, uh, what's his name? Jeff Driscoll crossed the line of scrimmage like a bonehead second-year quarterback. It's just it's just crazy that Matt Nagy keeps still making the same mistakes with the play calling. Well, I think it's I, I think the same goes for Trubisky as it does for Nagy as a play caller. Uh, I know a lot of people are completely out on Nagy as a head coach. I'm not there. I'm not even close to being there. Um, but in terms of him being a play caller, I think the two biggest decisions Bears have to make this offseason is, one, who they're going to get as a new quarterback and ultimately moving on from Trubisky, and two, uh, Matt Nagy can't be a play caller anymore. I mean, it's just he's not Andy Reid. He's not Doug Peterson. This isn't working. It's just as simple as that. I, I think from a play design standpoint, uh, his playbook as a whole, I think, is not really the issue here. I think it's his in-game feel for calling plays and his ability to stay balanced and committed to the run. Um, I mean, this is these are trends going back, and people can say whatever they want, but, I mean, these are trends going back to his time in Kansas City when he's calling plays where there were a lot of people that kind of said, well, I don't know how comfortable I am with Matt Nagy calling plays in Chicago because he tends to abandon the run in key situations. I mean, we saw in that playoff game when they came back and lost, and – it's one of those situations where it hasn't gone away. And like you just pointed out, I mean, is it ever going to? I would say at this point in time when you pretty much have two full seasons worth of play calling under your belt and you're still doing the same things, still showing the same tendencies, I just don't think it's going to change. And I, I think at this point, those are two huge changes that have to happen. Because, yes, the Bears – and that's the other thing that's kind of confusing to me is – there's a lot of people singling out the Bears' defense and say, well, they haven't been that good either. It's like, well, I mean, they haven't been the same, that's for sure. I mean, they're definitely – they're not elite this year. I mean, they're still a really good defense. Uh, they're, I would say they're probably still right around top five, uh, you know. But I, I have a hard time singling out a defense that has given up – um, you know, under 20 points a game for the majority of their games. It's I'm sorry, but if your offense is struggling to score 20 or more points per game, your offense is probably the issue. And that's kind of where I'm still at. I mean, obviously the Bears have had drives where they couldn't get off the field defensively. But again, I mean, you look at that Eagles game, it's like they had the, the one drive where they could have got back in it and they could have scored a touchdown and tied it up or, you know, were actually taking the lead and they didn't do it. I mean, there's been multiple opportunities where, the offense isn't doing their job. And if you really want to look at it and say, well, who's pulling their weight? It's like, how many times do the Bears defense make a stop, whether they're holding to a field goal or they're, you know, forcing a punt versus the Bears offense where they're simply not scoring any points on, you know, 80 or 90 percent of their drives. That's that's the reality of the situation. The offense is 100 percent the issue here. The special teams is actually been a lot better in terms of when you're looking at DVOA and everything else. I mean, it's this is solely on the Bears' offense right now. And even though their defense hasn't been as good, I mean, that was kind of the expectation going into the year. The defense wasn't going to be as good, but the offense was going to be so much better that it was going to be able to pick up the slack and more. 
And I think the design of that and the thought of that was dead on. I think if the Bears had a average to slightly above average offense right now, they're dominating most games. And I mean, they're probably what seven and two, uh, something like that right now, but they're not because their offense has taken a sizable step back. And I mean, we're talking John Fox era offense right now. I mean, that's how bad they've been and how, and at least with John Fox's offenses, at least they were controlling the clock. I mean, the bears aren't even really doing that right now in terms of, in terms of holding on to the ball and time of possession and everything like that. I mean, they're just, they're struggling to find an identity and I just don't see how they're going to be able to find an identity before the season's over with, with their current, how they're currently constructed. I just don't see it. Yeah, my problem is, though, I don't know who you give the play calling duties to, because I, I think if you give it to Helfrick, I don't I don't think much is going to change. Um, I think it's going to be a little more of the same. Uh, Ragone did call plays in the fourth and final preseason game um, for the Bears this year. And Helfrich did the week before. I think, and that's, I mean, that you're posing another question right there. I ultimately think that... Um, I, I think one way or another, whether it's a quarter, new quarterbacks coach or new offensive coordinator, I think that they're going to have to bring somebody in. I think they're going to have to bring in oh, some, yeah. a but new it, that has play-calling experience. Yeah, it's just in terms of this season, it's I mean, it's not going to change. Yeah, it's it's not going to change, and, and Nagy's not going to make that bold of a, a move. And that's, that's the other thing I guess maybe we should talk about real quick. Why did they make the switch with James Daniel and Cody White here? Why, that didn't make any sense to me. Cody White here's snap issues were large in that game and then then they you know you, you ask the players you know what they thought and they're like well i mean neither one of them even practiced their their old positions because they thought that this move was permanent and that kind of that points to a little bit bigger of a question for me offensively what the hell is harry he doing i mean this guy was phenomenal at notre dame and honestly i mean the offensive line has been progressively worse this year and from a developmental standpoint, I mean, Rashad Coward hasn't looked good. Uh, I think James Daniels has had his moments. But, I mean, you're talking about development from a you know a center and, and making those moves like that. And then you, you go midseason when things are kind of all but lost at three and five. And you go midseason and all of a sudden you pretty much tell these guys the week of practice. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, hope you've been practicing because you're switching back positions. That just there's – a, there's a lot – again, man, there's a lot of issues on offense. And I think they're going to have to make some – there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of changes. There has to be a lot of changes on offense during the offseason if they plan on getting this thing figured out. Yeah, he stand has really struggled. This offensive line has looked really bad this season, from the tackles to the guards, um, the center. And then they switch the positions back. So, you know, we we heard kind of the report during the week uh, at practice. We only got to see about 10 to 15 minutes. They did have Daniels as the only one snapping the football in a position drill. Um, when we get to the game, you know, in, in Whitehair's practice and snapping the football, he had at least four to five bad snaps, which is definitely a problem for this offense. You can't – I mean, your offense is already struggling enough, and then and you have the penalties. When you have bad snaps and things like that, man, that's just stuff piling on, the, you know, unnecessary stuff piling on that you really don't need. So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously I think the move is – Maybe you help Mitch, maybe help us flow of the offense. Um, obviously, there was the whole thing with protection calls. Is Mitch getting them right? Is James Daniels getting them right? Uh, we talked to James during um, training camp. I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast. And he said, yeah, he still help, has help with um, from Cody Whitehair on the protection calls next to him. I also think getting Whitehair next to um, – Rashad Coward might help Coward's game a little bit more, have a veteran there to help him out instead of having a, uh, a second-year guy like James Daniels. 
We'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be permanent, obviously, now. We're just going to look now at the future of these two players. Are you going to keep James Daniels as a, as a guard, or are you eventually going to make the switch back to center again? Because, I mean, when, when they drafted James Daniels, Pace and Nagy said, yeah, the eventual goal is to keep him or is to make him a center. We'll start him off at guard, blah, 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 and make him a center. So now that it's essentially failed, will they go back to it or will they keep it um, this offseason? I don't know. Again, I, I just I don't understand why you make a move like that in the middle of the year. Um, I, I just I don't know. I mean, there's just been a lot of questionable moves. It's like the there's just a lot of decisions. Like there's a lot of just the, the one thing I the one thing I can't give the Bears credit for that they actually made the right decision on. As bad as I feel to say this is the fact that they cut Mike Davis and it looks like they're going to get that fourth round comp pick. So that's a plus. But Man, it's just like it, it was just you know it was that, and then the Adam Shaheen thing. It's just there's so many there's so many things that feels like they just did far too late, and it, I don't know if it's a failure to adjust or what the deal is. I mean, it's a lot easier to say this sitting here watching the games versus coaching the games and being involved in the day to day, but I don't know. I, I just I, I don't know. Again, I, I think they're going to have some decisions to make on the coaching staff. And it's not like Helfrich has done a bad job, I don't think. I mean, I don't know what job he's really done. Uh, you're an offensive coordinator for a head coach that has designed the playbook and calls the plays. I don't really know what good amount of coaching can come out of that. And then with Dave Ragone, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, he, he's gotten some – He's gotten a lot of credit around the league. I mean, it's clearly not for what's going on with Trubisky, which I think is mostly mental, but whatever. I mean, it, but it's just one of those things, again. I mean, he stands, Helfrich or Ragone. I think somewhere along the lines, you have to figure things out. And I, the other thing that's kind of confusing to me, and this is something I've been noticing as of late, anytime that they're running outside, uh, outside of the tackles, outside zone, tosses, whatever they're doing, it seems like they've been a lot more effective lately, and the, the usage of Tariq Cohen made a heck of a lot more sense uh, in this Lions game, and they even got Montgomery out on a few outside runs, and he looked better. I almost kind of wonder if maybe they should move to more of an outside zone. I mean, I'm sure that's easier said than done, but maybe they should move to more of an outside zone uh, running scheme to see how that goes because, I mean, really, the, the interior line is simply just not doing their job. I mean, David Montgomery usually has no holes to go through, what I'm noticing is he's starting to see ghosts when he actually has holes to get through. It seems like he's making one or two cuts that he shouldn't be making instead of just bursting in the hole. So I just, again, I think there's a multitude of offensive problems. It was really cool to see those, those three drives though. I mean, that was, that was great. And I mean, they scored the, progress, you know, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's it. I mean, that's, you look at it and they scored 30 points one time this year. And the only reason they even got the 30 points is one, because they're playing a terrible Redskins team and two, because their defense scored a touchdown for them. So, I mean, the, the offense has just been really bad. I, I just don't really know how else to put it. And again, I don't think anything's getting fixed until this off season. And there's going to have to be some serious changes made to get that fixed. Yeah. Just imagine if the bears even had a top 15 offense, I think they'd have at least two, two more wins at least and be right there in the playoff picture. Um, let's, let's get, what'd you say? I'd say more than that. I think they'd be a dominant team. I, again, I think the majority of their issues have been offensively because I don't think there's as much focus going on the defense if the offense is performing even at an average level. I mean, because their defense is still pretty good. I think a lot of people are kind of focusing more on the negative defensively, but I mean, they're still, I mean, they're still top ten and I think top five in at least one of the categories of points allowed, uh, yards, and all that stuff. I mean, they're still they're seventeen still, points allowed per game. Exactly. That's less than they average. That that that's less than they average in uh, last year. I, yeah, I it's, it's it's right. It's like seventeen four, 
right now. 17.4 right now. They averaged 17. They let they gave up an average of 17.7 last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, not as dominant. I agree with that. The turnovers, just the way that they're playing, not the same. But they're still a really good defense. Like to put any of this really on the defense is ridiculous at this point. If they had a halfway deep, decent offense, like you just said, they would be really damn hard to beat, and they would be right in the middle of the division race right now. Yeah, and and the reality is um, they're four and five going into the Los Angeles game on Sunday Night Football with um, very 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 um, slim playoff hopes. I mean they they were on that graphic for Monday Night Football of in the hunt, uh, but they need a lot of things to go their way. Uh, before we get into our preview, let's take our final break and we'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bear Park Podcast. And uh, as I said before the break, the Bears are four and five. They're technically in the hunt. They need a lot of stuff to go their way here over the over the final seven games. Essentially, win out. Um, have Minnesota lose a couple times. You're not catching Seattle. You're probably not catching the 49ers. Um, but as Matt Nagy likes to say, and this team has has said now over the past couple weeks, they just got to go one and zero every week. That's all you can focus on. You go to you you get this win in in Los Angeles. And there's two very winnable games coming up in a, in a four or five day span where um, you'll be hosting the New York Giants, who are not very good. And then you'll be at Detroit for Thanksgiving. And you're probably going to you could see Jeff Driscoll again, uh, depending on the Matthew Stafford injury. Get this win in, in Los Angeles and move from there. I think if the Bears can come out of this stretch here, seven or five, they got a decent shot. But first things first, they got to take care of business in, in Los Angeles and the game was not flexed out, obviously, um, but you know, going into this game or going into the season, a lot of people. The trendy pick in the NFC was the Bears, and the other trendy pick was the Rams. They were the two teams that everyone was putting money on to come out of the NFC. Um, the Saints were also involved there. Um, I think some people might have had Dallas it, it, on their list as well. But man, you look at this Rams team. They enter the game five and four. They've really, really struggled. They're coming off a disappointing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, where that offense was flat. Um, and then you look at the, their their problems on offense. Man, Jared Goff has taken a big step backwards. They still have a pretty good defense, um, but yeah, that offense is really struggling right now. Yeah, they. I don't. I mean, we're talking about this before we start recording. I don't think the Rams are that good. I live two hours away from LA. I I see. A decent amount of Rams games. I've, I've, you know, I have many friends that are Rams fans. I mean, Jared Goff is not a very good quarterback. Uh, I think last year, and this is something I'm writing about, and the the what to watch for uh, that's that'll be out tomorrow is that with without proper protection and without a run game, uh, the Rams offense is just simply not the same. And they don't have a good enough defense. They're not like the Bears where they can produce an average offense and get away with winning games. I mean, that's kind of where it's been at. Both of their both of their units haven't been good enough for them to get past five and four. I mean, that's just really where it's at. And it's one of those situations where uh, Todd Gurley is clearly not the same running back. Um, they don't have CJ Anderson picking up the slack like they did last year. And then again, uh, Jared Goff is not getting as much time and he just hasn't been that good of a quarterback this year. So 
it's one of those situations where we know Brandon Cook's going to be out uh, because of the, the concussion. Uh, they got Cooper Cup back. He actually didn't have any catches last week. Steelers' defense is very underrated. Um, but I think that the Bears kind of have that blueprint. Um, what, you know, it's debatable whether or not people say that the, the Lions are kind of the ones that figured it out last year and then the Bears and the Patriots kind of, uh, you know, copy that. I don't care who it was. Either way, the Rams were figured out last year. I don't think the Bears' defense is as good or aggressive as they were um, last year, but I do think that this is a matchup that favors the Bears even being in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I just don't think the Rams are that good of a team. I don't think the Bears are that good either, but again, I think this is a lot matchup-based, and I think a lot of this is going to come down to the offense. It's going to be kind of one of those situations, uh, both offenses, where I think it's going to be a situation where, kind of like last year, you know, whoever doesn't turn the ball over as much is probably going to win this game. I don't expect it to be a very good game. I don't expect this to be a game that a lot of people outside of the L.A. or Chicago markets are going to, you know, find very appealing. But I do think this is a very winnable game for the Bears. And like you just pointed out, I mean, this is a this is a game they have to win. If they want to stay in the race, uh, they're almost I would say they're out of it at this point. But I mean, mathematically speaking, they're still in it. If they want to mathematically stay in the race and really put themselves in a position like you pointed out with the with the Giants and the and the Lions coming up shortly after that, and then I think a winnable game against the Cowboys as well. I don't think the Cowboys are that good. It all starts with a win against Rams. If they lose against the Rams, I mean you can you can wrap it up and, and send it off. I mean that's it. That that is absolutely the season without a question. It's over with. But if they if they can beat the Rams, they can at least make something or makes things somewhat interesting down the stretch with somewhat of a favorable schedule at least after the after this coming game. Yeah, that game last year uh, at Soldier Field on Sunday Night Football, seven interceptions combined. Uh, Trubisky had three, Jared Goff had four. And the one thing I remember about that game, um, I just remember watching Jared Goff up there, and he did not want to be out in that cold whatsoever. He Every time there was you know a little delay between the action or something like that, he looked miserable. Hands were in his uh, little warmer. He just did not want to play that game, did not want to be out there. It was pretty much over from the start. You just had that feeling that the Bears were going to come out and win that game. This Sunday, I think it's a winnable game for the Bears. Obviously, it's it's very hard to say you have a feeling that the Bears are going to come out and dominate and win a game. Because, I mean, you, you really wouldn't have that feeling unless they're maybe playing the Bengals or maybe the Jets, maybe the Giants. They just the Bears, like you said, they have to get get one and all this week and then take things from there. Um, I think the Rams right now, if you if going into this game, if, if you make Jared Goff beat you, I think that'll be a good recipe for success for the Bears. Um, because I don't think he can. I think if the Bears offense can find some way to click, um, put up 14, 17 points, I think the Bears would have a legit shot at winning this game. It's just can they do that? Now the other thing to look at is last season when. Los Angeles came in. Aaron Donald did nothing. Dominican Sue did nothing. That defensive line really struggled. I believe Fowler was the only one that actually had an impact in that game. And a large part of that was because James Daniels at guard was so, so damn good. Um, he handled Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue uh, like, a, like a veteran. He was only a rookie. I remember after that game, talking to him in the locker room, and he was just saying, yeah, he saw some things on tape. Uh, the hands was one of the things that he, he kind of picked up on, and he just kind of just went out there and did his job. So I'm going to be interested to see if this offensive line can hold up against this Rams uh, defensive line. Do you want to get into our prediction and X factor for the game then? Yeah, one question. Why, and this is something I forgot to bring up earlier, why yeah. are the seven-point favorites against Bears? I, don't, I mean, home field, okay, I get it, 
Yeah. Home field's usually three. Yeah, but ha- are, are the Rams really that much better than the Bears? Because everything I've seen from the Rams are not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Um, I mean, so okay, obviously the home field is three. That'd mean that the Rams would be essentially four and a half, four point favorites. Um, I think if they were four point favorites, and then you give them the three for the home field, essentially they're a one point favorite. I think that'd make more sense. I mean, look at this Rams team, and, and look at last week against the Steelers. Man, they were really. Really bad. Jared Goff was awful in that game. They have no run game. Todd Gurley is still dealing with his knee injury. Uh, Malcolm Brown's been banged up, and their rookie Darrell Henderson has not been good at all. Cooper Cup, like you said, was uh, held out without without a catch, so the Steelers can pretty much took him away. And the Steelers, I mean, they were pretty aggressive in that secondary as well. Mika Fitzpatrick continuing to make plays. I think this is another good opportunity here for someone like Eddie Jackson and, and Kyle Fuller to get their hands on a football and change the game. But, I mean, you look at who the Rams have beat. Okay, so they beat the Browns by seven. They beat the Panthers by three. They did beat the Saints, but that was the game that Drew Brees left the game early, um, didn't return. They beat the Bengals by 14, beat the Falcons. They really don't have – I mean, what what's their impressive win? The Saints win, I guess you could say, in week two, but Drew Brees left that game early on. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I don't know why they're seven point favorites. Another fun fact about this game is David Montgomery actually has more rushing yards than Todd Gurley right now, and that just kind of gives you an idea how wow. Todd Gurley is just not the same player. I mean, they just. I mean, it's just yeah, it's, it's that simple. But we can get in the prediction. I just I I, I forgot about that line earlier. Un- I got another stat for you. I I can't remember where I heard this. I think it was another podcast. Um. Mitchell Trubisky has more touchdown passes than Jared Goff, I believe, in the last 16 games. You know what? Yeah, I think I think like the, the overall number comparisons outside of yards were all pretty pretty similar. I mean, Jared Goff has just not been that good. I think he I think he gets very overrated because of the offensive system and then just how good the Rams have been. But I mean, if you look at Jared Goff as a quarterback, especially this year, he has not been good at all. Yeah, no, he's he's only got 11 touchdowns this season, nine interceptions. Um, He's thrown for 2,610 yards, but, I mean, he's not been very good at all this season. Last season, what was that? As he's 28th in QBR. Um, I mean, yeah, he's just not good. I mean, he's got a – let's see. I'm, I'm just looking here. I'm trying to see. His overall rating this year is 82.7. I mean, that just gives you yeah. an idea. He's not been good. I mean, he's got a little over 60 – Sixty uh, percent completion rating, I and mean, he's just not a good quarterback right now. I mean, the, this is an ideal matchup for the Bears in a lot of ways. I think yards per attempt too. Um, yeah, yards per attempt. He's also at uh, what is it at? Adjusted yards per attempt. He's at six point eight yards per attempt, seven point four, which is still low from last season. Uh, yards gained per pass completion, twelve point two, which is right around where he was the last two years, but. Yeah, man, he has not been good. That 82.7 overall rating this season, a, a drop from, I think it was over at 100 um, yeah. last season. Yeah, but, I mean, look at look at his final games over last season. I got his game log up right here. Okay, so um, let's see. Week 16 against San Francisco, four touchdowns. 49ers were not good last season. But then you look, okay, starting with the Detroit game, one touchdown, one interception. Then he had two straight games of no touchdowns versus the Bears and the Eagles. Uh, then had one touchdown against the uh, Cardinals. Yeah, those final, f- let's see, five games, he had six 
interceptions and six touchdowns. Not good at all, man. No, not at all. But again, sometimes uh, coverage is based off of uh, what teams have done before pre preconceived notions. And it's like, you know, I, and I'm not defending Trubisky in the least here, but I think it's also kind of time that we acknowledge the fact that Jared Goff's not a very good quarterback either. I mean, I would take him over Trubisky. Don't get me wrong there, but Jared Goff has not been good. And again, this 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 Rams team has just not been very good. So I guess this would probably be a nice little segue into uh, our keys of the game and prediction. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, okay. I think the the key, the X factor, whatever you want to call it, um, is really going to come down to the battle of the trenches, and it's kind of it's very similar to last year, right? Where the Bears' offensive line uh, did very well, like you pointed out, against Aaron Donald and overall protecting Trubisky, even though Trubisky turned the ball over a lot coming off that injury. And then you look at the defense side of the ball, and the Bears just smothered Jared Goff. I mean, he had multiple interceptions. He took multiple sacks. They couldn't get the run game going. That was when Todd Gurley was actually really good before he hurt his knee. I mean, the Bears controlled the line of scrimmage. It wasn't a very pretty game, but they ended up winning the game. I think it was 16-6. to I think they got to take a very, very similar approach this year. Uh, the Rams' offensive line has not been very good. The running game has been very non-existent. Um, you know, again, we just got to talking about how Jared Goff has really just not been that good of a quarterback this year. I think there's some opportunity there for the Bears. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, the Bears got to get the running game going. Uh, the, the Rams are – they're just – I mean, they're not a bad defense, but they're not a very good defense. I think the one – singular matchup that I'm going to be looking forward to just because they're former teammates. And I think they're, they're two of the better players in our league at their position. It's going to be Allen Robinson and Jalen Ramsey, how that goes. I think that's going to be, go a long way in determining how successful the bears offense is for one and two, if the bears can actually win the game. Cause I think if Trubisky forces the ball to Robinson too much, Ramsey's one of those guys who will absolutely eat Trubisky alive. So Man, this is it's going to be an ugly game, I think. Uh, I'm going to go 17, uh, 13 Bears. I, I I'm not very high on the Bears at all, but I do think that the Bears are going to win this game just based on matchups alone. Yeah, that uh, Robinson Jalen Ramsey matchup is going to be something to watch, and and for this offense to be successful, Trubisky is going to have to go through his progressions. You cannot just stare down Allen Robinson because like you said Ramsey will take advantage of that and make you pay um so I'll go my prediction I think it's going to be a close game I think it's gonna be low scoring I'm actually going to go 13-10 Rams I I just think the home field gives this game's not in the cold um it's supposed to be like 80 degrees in LA at kickoff I think the Rams are probably going to pretty much put the final nail in the coffin for the Bears season disappointing I know but I just it's hard on the road to win games in the NFL. Um, and when it comes down to defenses and offenses, I think the Rams offense will execute a little better. My X factor is going to be if the Bears can do this, I think they got a shot at winning. But give the ball to David Montgomery and Trubisky, get the offense in flow, couple touchdown drives, um, run the offense like we want to see it run, be effective, score on your opening drive, set the tone, get up on the, on the Rams get maybe a double-digit lead, and hold them off with your defense. I think that will be a good formula for the Bears to win. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the offense is going to struggle again, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right. Uh, I like doing the podcast when they're winning, but I just I don't see a win in this one. I think it's going to be a Bears loss. I think that's fair. I, I, I think it's a toss-up. I mean, obviously Vegas agrees with you since they're seven-point favorites. I don't know. I just 
I, again, I've seen a decent amount of the Rams this year because I live very close to LA. Um, and obviously I've seen all the Bears games and I just, I, I, I still think this is an ideal matchup. And I, I just think the, the Rams are kind of a ticking time bomb right now. And the Rams are kind of in a weird position because they have two teams in front of them in their own division that are probably going to keep them out of the playoffs between the 49ers and, uh, and, and the Seahawks. And granted, obviously, I think maybe they have a little bit more to fight for. But I don't know. I'm just, I, I haven't been sold on the Rams all year. And maybe this is just kind of projecting my feelings of how I've kind of felt about them all year. And that's not even saying I'm high on the Bears right now. But I just, I like the matchup for the Bears. So I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, at least we agree it's going to be a close game and probably not a very good one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially an elimination game. Uh, the Bears win, both teams will be 5-5, five and five, but the Bears will have a tiebreaker over them. Uh, both teams are chasing two teams in their division. The Bears have the Packers and Vikings. The Rams, obviously, like you said, have the uh, Seahawks and 49ers. I think the loser's pretty much just out of it. Uh, winner keeps her hopes alive and still needs a lot to happen. But, um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can read my work on thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report at um, Bear Report. And you can read our work on the Bear Report website. will be full pre- and post-game coverage of Sunday's game. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.